0: That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia.
1: Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm very, very glad you joined me today. I think this show will be very helpful for you. It's kind of um, a a tie-on to the one we did last week on boundaries. And so I think it's going to be very, very helpful. If you weren't able to listen to the show last week, I want to encourage you to visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And my name is spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. And you can listen to that show in its entirety. Because the issue of boundaries is directly related to the issue of codependency. So when we look at this, this, this idea of codependency, and this word gets thrown around, oh my goodness, so much, and, and it's used in, in a lot of ways that aren't necessarily accurate, and, and we really don't understand always codependency when you hear it talked about. So hopefully today, you will get a much better understanding of that term, and, and as it directly relates to a lack of boundaries. So whenever we talk about codependency, we know that there is a boundary issue. So I want to just give you kind of a, a working definition of this, this concept. And codependency, it was coined in the 70s, actually. And it really was discovered in the context of treating alcoholism. Because what we found when we observed alcoholics, there was this, this consistent set of behaviors that alcoholics did and a consistent set of behaviors that the people around them participated in. And so they observed that family members exhibited this like really consistent pattern of behavior and that the the alcoholic was the one that was dependent on the alcohol to make them feel okay. Or that's what alcoholics were trying to control the alcohol or the consumption of it or where they consumed it, how they got it, when they did it, and all the consequences from it. Where we saw the family members were affected and were attempting to control the alcoholic and became in some ways dependent on that ability to control the alcoholism and the alcoholic and so when we see this this idea of codependency it doesn't just apply to alcoholics and families of alcohol, families of alcoholics it really became given to families who who were dependent on any other type of thing other than just alcoholics and alcohol and so it is used most often to describe someone that is dependent on someone that's dependent on something else. So this is why we get the term co-dependent. So if you are in a relationship with a drug addict or a sex addict or someone that lies consistently or gambles or work is a workaholic, and you you are now dependent on that person who is dependent on something else, which means that in a relationship, you're trying to have that real intimate relationship with that person, but that person is really having more of a relationship on the thing they are dependent upon. So the workaholic is more invested in the work than they are on the person they're in relationship in. So that's a broad way to to really explain it, but how it has transcended into the 21st century is that it has really just become a relationship disorder. And, And what that means is that we can be codependent on all kinds of people that aren't necessarily dependent on any kind of a substance. And, and we can practice codependency and codependent behaviors and have all those feelings that come with codependency with, with, with all people in our life and, and in, in, ver- in various and sundry and ways. So what you want to think about is the codependency occurs when a person's God-given need for love and security has been blocked in a relationship with a dysfunctional person or has been blocked because that person is trying to control things outside of themselves to get the good feeling that they need. And this results in, in a lack of objectivity, a warped sense of responsibility. It means that I'm now controlled by others very easily and I try to control others. And I'm controlled by hurt and anger and guilt and loneliness. And I end up having more of that. I I increase the shame feelings in my life when I'm trying to control external things. So what I usually say to clients is the easiest way for me to explain codependency is that I am dependent on people, places, and things for my happiness. Which means that internally, I don't carry it with me. That I am dependent on things outside of me. For my own happiness, my own peace, my own well-being, my own hope, um, security. So if I'm codependent on things, then that would mean that if I had the right car and the best house and the right clothes, and because I'm a woman, a beautiful handbag or shoes or jewelry, um, I show up at the right places, I go to the right church, I have the right job, all those things out there then I feel okay. See, that's where the dependent piece comes. It's an if-then. If you love me, then I'm okay. If you're happy with me, then I'm okay. If you're not mad at me, then I'm okay. If I look the way that I want to look, if I weigh a certain amount, then I'm okay. So I'm dependent on a number on a scale. I'm dependent on the size of something. So for men, if I have you know abs, I'm okay. If I've been able to lift this at the gym, I'm okay. If I make this amount of money, then I'm, if I have this influence, then I feel okay. So it's dependent on all those things out there. So if I'm dependent on people, then I'm saying, if so-and-so likes me, then I'm okay today. If I have a boyfriend, I'm okay. If so-and-so approves of me, I'm okay. If my parents aren't mad at me. If my parents aren't disapproving of my lifestyle, I'm okay. If my boss uh, gives me a good review and, and tells the other people that I've done a good job, then I'm okay. And so what we, what we see here with this codependent type of living is that we kind of do it as Americans. It's kind of a cultural problem. And so when you think about this, what we do know about America in many ways is that we care very much about what other countries think about us to the point that we alter and adjust some of our own value systems based on how other countries feel about us or how other countries think about us. We have a tendency to work a lot harder at making those things right than other countries do toward us. We have a tendency to give a lot more money than other countries give. We have a tendency to give up a lot of things that other countries might not just so that we can live at peace and be quote-unquote okay. Okay. And so in a process, we lose our identity. Well, we see that happening to us on an individual basis. That if I give up all those things so that I can get from you being liked, being wanted, accepted, approved of, being popular, having you not be mad at me, whatever that is, if I feel okay because you like me, then I've now sold my soul to you because you now control me. As soon as you control me, I'm going to start becoming more controlling. I'm going to try to control you. And so we have that type of codependency. And then we have another kind of variation of codependency, which means that I know better than you. I know what you need to do. You're a direct reflection on me. So I'm going to change you, control you, shape you up, make you be who I want you to be so that I'm okay. Either way, it comes down to me not being okay with me. That's basically what it is. And so what we see, I love this verse. It's Proverbs 14:12 and I use it frequently. And it says there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Another version says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. So it seems kind of logical and natural and normal and I don't know, just easy. To say, if I just get all my ducks lined up in a row outside of me, all those people, places, and things, everybody loves me, I look great, I have the right amount of money, um, I have a perfect car, um, I've got the perfect boyfriend, perfect girlfriend, great kids, perfect animals, the house is perfect. If I get all that stuff, if that, then I'll be okay. And that can seem right. Makes a lot of sense. And the reason it makes sense is because initially we do feel better. The problem is we are now controlled by those things. Our peace is now not ours. It is what we're trying to attain, what we're trying to chase. And so it originally, initially, seems like a really good idea. If I win the lottery, hey, that would solve all my problems. Then I would be happy. Well, there's a great study that uh, measured uh, quality of life between a quadriple- someone that became a quadriplegic, someone that, that won the lottery. And after, I think it was about 20 months Both those people, the quadriplegic and the person that won the lottery, returned to the original state of being or feeling that they were before the accident or before winning the lottery. And in fact, if we take it a little bit farther, there was a 1% differential with the person that won the lottery. They actually felt less or worse than what they did before the lottery. So it's really important that we understand it isn't out there for us. It's in here. It's the peace of God. It's me accepting and loving myself. It's me practicing forgiveness of myself and others. It's me practicing those two commandments God gave me. And that is to love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all that is within you, and you love your neighbor as yourself. Because it really is all about love. And codependency is about works. So you're listening to uh, Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia. 1360 KPXQ, Faith Talk Radio. I'm so glad you joined me today. And I want you to join me in the next segment for sure because we are going to really delve deeply into this concept of codependency and how it just becomes like a disease. It just steals everything from us. And it makes our life so difficult and wearisome. And so if you're not able to listen to the show in its entirety, please visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And you can listen to this show in its entirety, as well as many other podcasts I've done for this station. And I think you're going to really enjoy understanding what this means, because the, the precursor to the show was the show on boundaries we did last week that I think would also be very helpful for you. And in that show, we talk about this idea of where I end and others begin. And that is at the heart of codependency. Where do I end and others begin? And am I going to do self-control? and practice my own well-being and practicing my own self-love while I'm loving others and loving God? Or am I going to try to control everything outside of me, that area that I really have no control over, for my own well-being? Am I going to try to get my peace externally, or am I going to let the Father, who is all peace, give me peace that passes all understanding? This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me again in the next segment as we talk about codependency. I hear the in my well, welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia on 1360 KPXQ, Talk Radio so we are talking about this issue of codependency. And remember, last week we talked about boundaries. So I want to make sure that, that you're able to listen to that show if you missed. Um, as you are wanting to hear this one, the Boundary Show will really supplement it and really support what we're talking about. So this issue of codependency is really actually a relationship disorder. It has to do with how I relate to people, places, and things. How much pressure I put on people, places, and things in order to have internally that peace that I so desire, that feeling of well-being, that feeling of security. And so every time I go outside of myself to internally secure myself, I'm probably going to get in trouble because the external world is always in flux and it's always changing. And so that's not necessarily what, where I want to get my security from. But like we said in, in the earlier segment, that Proverbs fourteen twelve, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death is that it seems right. It just kind of makes sense that if I got everything outside of me lined up and looking good and, and being right, then I'll feel okay. So what I want you to think about is the reason we say it's like a relationship disorder is because it is one of self-growth, maturity, and boundaries. And if we look at children, they have no boundaries, none. They don't know where they end and other people begin. They are extremely controlled by their environment because they actually have no self-control. We're teaching them self-control. That's our job as parents to help grow them up. And the more we secure those children, the more they feel loved, accepted, wanted, a sense of belonging, that they have structure, and even if they break the rules, they are still loved and attain a consequence. We give them an internal feeling of security that they carry into their adult life. Well, the more secure they feel inside, the more self-worth they are able to feel, the more loved they are able to feel, they carry that into their adult world, and the less they then have to control the external world. So when we have those of us, and that is going to be the majority of us, that were raised in dysfunctional homes, that you know, really, for the most part, the homes that we were all raised in were good people that did inappropriate or ineffectual things. So we have hurt people that are hurting people, and and we have parents that came from families that didn't parent them well, and they're doing the best they can, and we know that. However, be that as it may, we still have to deal with what we experienced growing up. So if you grew up in a family that maybe intellectually you knew you were loved, but you didn't feel it all the time, and you weren't sure if you were okay, and you weren't really sure how much control you had, like on one level you felt like you had absolutely no control, that nothing you did mattered. And then on another level, it seems like everything you said and did mattered and affected everybody to the point that you tried to be perfect so that everybody was happy. Well, that's that boundary issue where I don't know where I end and the other person begins and they don't know where they end and where I begin. So we grow up, not having that internal world that God wants us to have, which is one of peace and security, feelings of confidence, feelings of self-worth, which causes us to do what little children do, seek the external world to give them the feelings they need internally. So we kind of run around in our lives trying to get everything out here to give us the feelings we need inside versus Understanding that I'm the one that has to give me those good feelings. It's how I relate to me. It's how I relate to God directly affects my own internal world, my own feelings of worth and value, my own feelings of security, so that I am now not dependent on those things outside of me to give me all those good feelings. Now, please, you know, hear me when I say that I love good things happening outside of me, (laughs) I mean, I'm really glad when people are happy with me and they like me and I'm successful and I feel like I look good and, and, and I have the, the money that I need to, to afford the life I'm supposed to be living and I'm not financially stressed and I'm getting the sleep I need. And you know, Oh, I love it when all those things externally are working, but I cannot be dependent on that to be okay. Once I'm dependent um, the external world causing me to feel okay, I am now a slave to the external world. I have now sold my soul to the world. And the world determines whether or not I'm okay. And if I give that power away, I will have a hard time having self-control. I will have a hard time living a righteous life. A very difficult time. So this is really about the internal world versus the external world. And how much power each of those worlds has. And where I invest my time and energy. And I'm wanting you to invest your time and energy in your internal world. Not so much in the external. Because what we find out when I'm managing my internal world, the external world kind of has a way of taking care of itself. I may have some major things that occur. But the more self-control I practice, the less out of control my world is. That doesn't mean everybody else's worlds aren't out of control or that the world at large might be out of control, but I'm not out of control. And so it's imperative that you recognize that boundary issue where I end and others begin so that I don't then start acting out in codependent behaviors. So I want you to really understand that humans are hardwired to relate. They are hardwired to connect. They become very sick and can die if they don't relate. So when our relationships aren't working well, it's very, very painful for us. We all know that. When my life isn't working well, it's very painful for me. So what happens many times is if I'm not having healthy relationships or meaningful relationships or relationships that, that feel highly connective, I start to try to control other things. So... If so-and-so over here isn't accepting of me or approving of me or doesn't like me, then there's a tendency for me to get into some, what we call, more childlike behaviors. Which means that if I look good, act good, dress good, know all the right people, and have enough money, then that person that I want to like me will be sure to like me. So I will increase my ability to have all those feelings. So you can see that I get really externally controlled. So what we want to think about as we move forward in this whole topic today is that the need to relate is profound. And what I want you to think about is I want you to first relate with God. First and foremost, you get your relationship with God in order as best you can on a daily basis, on a moment-to-moment basis. That is your primary dependency right there. We are always dependent on God, whether we admit it, acknowledge it. And so when I really relax in that and say, God, you're it. You're the primary dependent thing I have. I am dependent on you 100%. If you decide that I'm not going to live, I have no choice. I can be gone in an instant. So I am dependent on God. That doesn't mean I don't do my life. So we have children that are dependent on parents and they still go do their life. They go to school, they do their work. They learn what they need to learn. They take responsibility for what they're supposed to be responsible for. So I am ultimately dependent on God and still responsible for myself. When I get that relationship with me and God, that vertical relationship, better, stronger, more secure, more in order, then my relationship with me is better. Because I begin to love me the way God loves me. And when I love me the way God loves me, I so love you better. So I want you to join me in this next segment as we continue with this concept of codependency and people, places, and things and where I get my peace. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com and I'll talk to you in the next segment. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to 1360 KPXQ, Faith Talk Radio. So glad you joined me today. And we are talking about this very esoteric, kind of nebulous concept of codependency and what that really means. And I know that you've probably heard many things about it and have maybe had some teachings on it, read books about it. And so I'm kind of explaining it in a a much broader way than most uh, clinicians explain it. And I want you to think about codependency as me being dependent on people, places, and things to get my feelings of self-worth and approval. And so I either then are directly controlled by those things. And that means if I'm controlled by things, then I have to have them or I don't feel good about myself. So that's maybe the person that has a really expensive car that has to go into the shop and um, their rental car is like, I don't know a junker, like a basic, you know, right off the factory line. So they're used to driving this really cool car and they get average and they feel uncomfortable. They feel like, Oh my gosh, this doesn't reflect me. This is not me. What are people going to think? I feel like I've lost some power. I show up in this stupid ridiculous car when I usually have this really amazing car. So what we see is that, wow, that is now controlling me or if I don't have the right outfit for that or, or if I'm not going to the right places, like, Someone talks to me about, well, didn't, don't you go to this particular restaurant? And I say, no, I've never been there. Like, you've never been to that restaurant? And all of a sudden there's judgment about, wow, do I not measure up because I don't go to the places that all the cool play- people go? So I get dependent on things, money, um, houses, cars, clothing, the type of pet that I own, the person that I'm walking around with, the, the friends that I have, the name dropping that I do. So I'm, I'm dependent on things and people and places that, I, that I'm, I'm allowed to go to. So I have to talk about all the places I visited as a way to bolster up who I am. So I either am controlled by those things or I try to control them. So I control the person I'm with with things like, why are you dressed that way? Like, that looks weird. And what are people going to think of me if you show up looking like that? And so I try to control their outcomes so that they make me look good. I mean, imagine really if God were codependent, like we don't make him look very good. (laughs) So I'm very thankful he is not codependent and he does not attempt to control us. He really comes alongside us and helps us be who he has really created us to be if we so choose. So boundaries and codependency is a lot about acceptance and about controlling the things you can and accepting the things you can't and not letting your peace or your self-worth be dictated by the things you cannot control. So when we look at this issue of codependency as a relationship issue, it has everything to do with how I relate to other people, myself, to things, and to God. And if growing up, I didn't get a lot of the security needs that I met, that I needed, and that would be things like, we love you in spite of your behavior, we always have wanted you, we are going to stand beside you. We are going to tolerate your learning process, which means that you're going to do things and say things and act in ways that don't reflect us and we don't really frankly approve of or like. And at the same time, we approve of you, who you really are, and we like you and love you, even if those behaviors are not something that we approve of or like. And so when, we, when that's in jeopardy, When we don't get those feelings, we go into our adulthood continuing to try to get those feelings from the outside world the same way we did as a child. So I'm wanting you to think about today, what am I trying to get outside of me to be inside of me? Why am I giving the world, people, places, and things that kind of power? Because that's what I want to address with you today. That's what I want you to think about. The only person that should have that kind of power over you is God. He's the one that determines your worth and your value. He's the one that bought you, paid for you with a very high price, sticks beside you, never leaves you. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. You can't mess it up with God. He loves you with an everlasting love. He is on your side. And that's where we get our security from. We don't want to give that gift to mistake-making people that are trying to figure out just as much as, as we are. So we want to really be careful about those boundaries so that we are not dependent on people, places, and things for our own peace and our own value. So ultimately, this becomes a boundary issue of where I end and others begin. And am I going to practice the golden rule? Am I going to love others as I love myself? And many times God has made it very clear to me that other people may not want to be loved the way I love myself. So I want to make sure that I am loving myself and others the way God loves me. And that helps this need to have all those people, places, and things all lined up. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we finish this this whole conversation about codependency. Well, thank you for joining me today. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and you are listening to 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk Radio. I want to just remind you that if you're not able to listen to this show in its entirety, you can always listen to the podcast on my website, which is at CynthiaHyatt.com, and you just click on the radio link, and it'll take you right to that show. And there's a lot of other shows as well on the site that you can pick from that that support all the shows that you hear. So we're talking today about this issue of codependency and what that means. And we've kind of defined it as this, this dependency on people, places, and things to get my own security, my own self-esteem needs met. And so it originally uh, started in the 1970s as being certainly a relationship disorder. And it was that I'm dependent on a person that is dependent on a substance. And so that, that's where you get that codependent piece so as the, as the years have gone on, we've kind of dialed it down to it being more of a relationship disorder and that I'm trying to control people so that I can feel okay about me. So I control how you think, how you feel, what you do, what you say, so that I feel good about me. Or I am I am controlled by how you feel, how you think. So I then try to manage your emotions so that you feel good, so I feel good. So what you hear is that it's a boundary issue. It's I don't know where I end and you begin. And so I gave the example earlier in the show on this issue of, of driving down a, a two-lane highway and that, you know, if you've driven in Phoenix, you understand what it means to drive in Phoenix and we don't always have good drivers practicing drive, good driving behaviors. And so it's the same as here here I am driving in my lane and next to me is another car driving in their lane and we have this wonderful little boundary which is the dotted white line that tells us to stay within those lines. That's the area of control that I have. That's my sphere of influence. So imagine how crazy it would be if the driver next to me is driving erratically or irresponsibly, aggressively, and I jump out of my car, jump into their car to drive for them so that they don't crash their own car. How ridiculous would that be? How many crashes would ensue if I jumped out of my car and jumped into their car? so that I can control the way that they're driving. So what I'm constantly encouraging people to do, because codependency and boundaries is a self-control issue, is that I need to stay within my lines, in my lane. And if this person next to me is driving out of control, the best thing I could do for everybody and myself and God is to drive better, to simply just drive my car better. So I get more on my game. I get more aware And I get more committed to driving well. That's the best thing I could do for everybody on the road. So it's the same thing for my life. If you're messing up your life, the best thing I could do is do my life better. Versus getting into codependent behavior and trying to control your life so that my life works. I have to practice boundaries. How much am I going to let your lack of self-control control me? And so you're probably saying, yeah, but Cynthia, if I live with this person, they're spending all of our money, they're blah, blah, blah. And so what I would say to you is, if their lack of life management is directly affecting your life, then you have to get some help as to finding out where I can start establishing new boundaries. It might mean separating out the bank accounts. It might mean saying to them, we're not combining money anymore. You're not managing it well. And so I'm not going to do that. There are several different ways that you can introduce new types of boundaries so that you are controlling only what you can control. And so when we look at characteristics of codependency, and you may relate to some of these feelings, you have this warped sense of responsibility, which means that I have a hard time sometimes having fun because I don't know where I end and you begin, and I feel like I might have more power than I actually have. And I try to control the feelings that you have about me. Or I could try to control the feelings that you're having. So I invest a lot of my time and energy in what would help you with your life. Now, that's all wonderful when when, when we are really trying to help one another. But when it means that I abdicate responsibility for my own life to do yours, God never asked us to do that. How about this? We have a lack of objectivity. And so we have a tendency to be overly affected by guilt and shame and and people's anger we have a tendency um, to really see things as more important than they are or we minimize the importance of something so we may say okay well i went on a date with this guy and he really didn't respect my boundaries very well and i kind of caved in and we went farther than i wanted to go but he's a really good guy and he's a really nice guy and i don't think he meant he wouldn't ever mean to hurt me and and so I minimize, wow, this person will not hear the word no. And we minimize that. But yet we might like maximize the fact that he listened to some music on the radio that I don't think is healthy music. So I, I get all freaked out about maybe what music he's listening to and minimize the lack of boundaries physically, the coerciveness, the coercive nature of, of the interaction I had with him or the pressure I felt by him. And so we have this kind of lack of objectivity sometimes that if it's this person doing it, then it's kind of okay. If it's that person doing it, oh my gosh, they're a terrible, horrible person. How about this tendency to feel controlled by how other people feel? So let's say I walk into, you know, my office and my receptionist's in a bad mood, and now my whole day is ruined because she's in a bad mood. Well, what does her bad mood have to do with mine? You know, my mood. So if she's angry with me, then, then she needs to be an adult and come and tell me that she's upset with me so that we can fix it. So we have a tendency to be controlled by the external world far too much. Or we have a tendency to be hypersensitive, hypersensitive to criticism. Or with those people that are hypersensitive, that people walk around in eggshells because they're always, we don't know how they're going to get affected. We can't just relax around them. See, when we're really operating with adults, and and that adult is really controlling themselves and containing their own self and and in charge of themselves it's a wonderful feeling because everybody can relax because everybody's controlling themselves and i say to clients frequently you know imagine a world where everyone just controlled themselves what would that be like that's what we want to be so when we struggle with codependency we might struggle with confidence we have a difficult time making decisions like we're not sure because we let too much information come into that decision-making process. Like, well, what are they going to think? And how are they going to be affected? And are they going to be mad? Or will they disapprove? Or I don't really know what I like. And see, that's that piece that says, I'm not connected to me. And I'm not supporting me. And I'm judging me. And so I start to lack self-confidence. Or we might have a tendency to really need a lot of approval and affirmation. And we might compromise ourselves or betray ourselves to get that approval. And so we depend far too much on what people think about us or whether or not they like what we're doing or approve of what we're doing. Now, this does not mean that I am advocating that that we are people that just live our life the way we want to live it and you just need to be happy with it. Yeah, that, that's not relational either. That, that's very childish. What we want to do is we want to make sure that when I choose to do something, I'm also choosing to be responsible for it. So if it doesn't work out, then it's my mistake. So I'm not saying, well, you told me it would be okay. okay this type of stuff is very childish. And it doesn't help us. And it causes us to not feel good about ourselves. We also may, might have a tendency toward more confusion than we need to have. And a sense of inadequacy, like we're never enough. We're never measuring up. We're never good enough. And that creates a ton of unnecessary anxiety. And so we also might look for other people to fix things and to make the world right. And we might get stuck in what we call the fairness doctrine, which, you know, I, I understand why we teach fifth graders the issue of fairness. I mean, it's a character issue. It's a It's a virtue. But we somehow need to then instill in them this idea that fairness doesn't really ever happen in the world. The adult world is not fair. And I need to not get my peace from everything being fair. And so we might have a tendency to believe that others cause or are responsible for our feelings. Like, well, you made me mad or you made me feel bad. Now, certainly people affect us. And they may be responsible for the initial feeling that I have but i'm still responsible for what i do with it so if you perpetually hurt my feelings and are perpetually disrespectful to me and i consistently hang out with you well who's now responsible for my own for for the feeling state that i'm in i have choices as an adult so i can i can temper the amount of time i'm with you i can even not ever spend time with you if you're inappropriate around me i have that choice and with that choice might come some sadness Because I might miss you in some ways. And I might be sad that I can't be in relationship with you. But I have to decide how positive or negative the effect you have on me and what I do with that. Because I am directly responsible for the kind of person that I am. So if I'm with a friend that is constantly distressing me or is destructive or is abusive verbally or emotionally or, or takes advantage of me, Or is constantly undermining my self-worth and my self-value. And then I go into my other relationships and I'm needy with them because of all this person stole from me. Or I go into those other relationships and I treat them poorly because I feel bad about myself. I'm the one that needs to make the change. So we also might have a tendency toward being very rigid and very controlling. Because if we don't feel in control of our own internal world and the, the external world is what's controlling me, then I'm going to get more rigid. I'm going to be more inflexible. So I want you to think about those and then I want you to hear the statements that you might hear in your head if you struggle with codependency. And you might hear or feel like things like, others' needs are more important than my needs. Well, I don't think God would ever say that. You might hear or or think something like, I I think it's selfish to take care of myself. And so you heard us talk in in the beginning of this this, um, show about imagine a world now if everyone took care of themselves. Not only did they control themselves, but they took care of themselves. What would it be like if all the adults on the planet simply took care of themselves and they controlled themselves? What a different world we would have. The greatest gift I give to people is that I take good care of me. When I take good care of me, they don't have to worry about me. They don't have to pick up the slack for me. They don't have to spend money inappropriately on me because I didn't take care of me. So when I take care of me, others benefit greatly. So I want you to think about these concepts of codependency. And I want us to end with this, this verse again in Proverbs, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. So I want you to say to yourself, everything I'm doing feels like it's the right thing, but is it producing life in my life? Is my life getting better because of the ways that I think and the ways that I interact with others and the pressure I put on myself or other people? or the striving that I find myself getting into, the works mentality that I get into. Is what I'm thinking and doing creating peace in my life? Is it it improving my relationships with others? And if you can't say yes to that, then what I want you to go back to is the basics. And that is you love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all that is within you. And you love your neighbor as yourself. Which means that The way God loves you should transcend to you and you, then it transcends to your friends, family, neighbors, and the greater world around you. When you are accepting the love of God, taking advantage of the love of God because you need it, reveling in the love of God, drenching yourself in the love of God so that you are the person he's called you to be. You will then love yourself the way God loves you. And when you do that, you have so much love to give others. And the world has changed. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. I'm so glad you joined me today. Join me next week. And if you were not able to hear the show completely, please visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T. There's lots of ways to follow me. I have Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, my website, and certainly the show. So thank you again for joining me and have a blessed week.